Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for the Joy of the Gospel with your host, Bishop Michael Sheridan of the Diocese of Colorado Springs. Stay tuned as we discuss matters of faith, culture, and evangelization. And now, here's your host, Bishop Michael Sheridan. Hello, friends. This is Bishop Michael Sheridan. Welcome to our program today. And I'm very, very happy, honored, really, to uh, to have with me Mr. Edward Penton. Edward is the Rome correspondent for the National Catholic Register. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about his new book titled The Next Pope. We still have a pope, but Edward's looking at the next pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, a book published by Sophia Institute Press. Edward, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to be talking with you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on, Your Excellency. Great. Well, uh, before we before we get into the book uh, as such, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit uh, about yourself, your career with Catholic media? How long have you been covering the Vatican? Sure. Well, I first began uh, in 2002. I, I was uh, employed at Vatican Radio, the English section in Rome, um, and I stayed there for a couple of years and then moved on to freelance, uh, freelance Catholic journalism, uh, and also some secular journalism too, but reporting always on the Vatican and the Pope, um, pretty much. And, uh, and I did that um, for several years, also with the National Catholic Register. And then I, I went full-time with the Register in uh, 2015, and I've been full-time with them uh, since then. Well, I've learned a lot from reading your articles. Thanks so much. I, I, uh, I read the register quite, quite uh, regularly. So let's let's talk, Edward, a bit about about your book, the next Pope, um, the leading cardinal candidates. Uh, describe the book. Do you, you actually? I know you actually name. Uh, I think it's nineteen cardinals that you see as as papabile, really, really uh, in front to be elected as as the next pope. Um, how did you put that list together? What criteria were you using? Right, well, the, the, the book, uh, the genesis of the book really began um, before I was on board. I was there's a, a friends of mine and people I know who, who actually had, a, had the, uh, the initiative and took the idea, took the initiative rather, uh, back in, um, I think, three or four years ago, uh, and they came up with uh, a, a list of names which they wanted to thoroughly uh, research um, and so provide this service to the to the College of Cardinals primarily. Um, and I, the, the the list was drawn up mainly by them, but I did have a hand in in the final list as well because I I um, had two other names put in as well, and uh, also um, took took one or two out uh, who I didn't think were going to to probably. Uh, have a chance of uh, being elected now for different reasons. Um, and so that's how the, the list was sort of drawn up. Um, but it was really based on, on various criteria, really for their, their reputation for, for holiness and um, their, their reputation in, as a whole, how well known they are, and um, generally just uh, their, their, uh, their roles as bishop, how they've governed, how they've taught, and how they've... Um, Carried out the the, sanct the sanctifying office of bishop, and uh, all these criteria went into choosing them. You know, beginning with, um, of course, with Pope John Paul II, it, it, it's been a little tough uh, to predict who the next pope will be. I mean, he threw everybody for a loop coming from Poland, it seems, yeah. 
and uh, and then of course Ratzinger not so much. I think he was, you know, he was not a great surprise to many people. Um, did you, did you see the election of Pope Francis as uh, kind of a surprise? Did you consider him a kind of dark horse in the last uh, papal election? Yes. Well, I mean, he took a lot of people by surprise, primarily because everyone seemed to think that um, because Benedict resigned on grounds of age, that they would choose somebody younger. Um, and so uh, Pope Francis, Cardinal Bergoglio, was already, I think, 76 when he was elected. So people thought he was probably too old or by then to, to become Pope. And so he wasn't on many people's lists. Um, I think there are only a couple of, of Vatican watchers who actually had, them on the, had him on their lists. And so... Um, he took uh, most people, including myself, by surprise. And uh, but when when I heard he was elected, and my my instant reaction was, well, uh, the college has probably gone back to to their, what they thought of before, because he was runner-up, of course, in 2005. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably just sort of went back to to that and thought, well, let's well let's give him a try, sort of thing. Um, but I've, who knows what the exact reasons were? But I think that was um, that was part of it, the fact that he did so well uh, in 2005. Um, what are, let's talk about a, a couple of the, the, the cardinals that, um, sure. that you describe in, in your book. I, I, it's kind of hard to, to, you know, put, make odds for, for who's going to get elected, but, um, yeah. uh, uh, who, let's talk about a few of the cardinals that you have, have described or, or spoken about in your book and the reasons for, for that choice. Yes. Um, well, we have uh, the, the two Americans we have in there, of course, so Cardinal uh, Raymond Burke and uh, Cardinal Sean O'Malley. And um, we, we chose them because we felt they, they uh, both had um, qualities which certainly respected. And certainly in the last conclave, um, they were quite significant figures. Certainly Cardinal O'Malley was uh, very much uh, seen to be in the running, especially in Italy, um, the Italians very much thought he was uh, in the running. And so we thought that um, those two were certainly very important to have in there. But um, but on the whole, we, we, we sort of looked at all of the, the candidates and thought um, we're, we've divided each profile into three uh, areas of the bishop. So the, the priest, prophet, and king part of um, being a bishop. So his sanctifying office, his governing office, and his teaching office. Um, and I think from the book, you will get to see um, just what they've, whether they've got what it takes really to become Pope and whether they, how they've, how they've used, how they've sort of governed, how they've taught and how they've sanctified. And this, this is crucial to, to, of course, being a Pope. And where, what we want to do, what we want this book to do is really um, to give it, to give the Cardinals primarily a sort of handbook so they can see exactly what they've done and, and whether they think that they really, um, really do sort of fit the bill, whether they can, they can do, um, you know, the, the whole purpose of what the, the papacy is about. But also, we want the cardinals primarily to know exactly who they are, so that they don't go into the conclave um, completely blind and not knowing who these, who these cardinal candidates are and, and having no real idea, because this has been part of the problem over the past few conclaves, is that the cardinals haven't known their brother cardinals very well. And in fact, um, Oh, it's not just the, the faithful who don't know them, it's the, it's the college as well, because they don't have that chance really to get to know them, and they don't uh, see them very often. And so this is really aims to sort of bridge that gap. Now, of course, we couldn't put more than 19 cardinals in there. We could have put a few more, of course, but um, 
it was already getting quite a big book as it was. And so um, we sort of limited it to 19. Uh, but maybe in the future editions, we can expand it a bit more. Um, but it's, um, we don't want it to be sort of like the Encyclopedia Britannica, sort of going into <laughs> whole, whole volumes. But uh, maybe that could happen at one point. But uh, we don't, uh, there aren't the resources for that. Yeah. But, um, but certainly that's, that's the sort of idea. And it, it is very much a sort of encyclopedic book. It's, um, it's aimed at sort of being a reference, as a, a, a point of reference for the cardinals, but also for the faithful. And so that the faithful, um, you know, to get have an idea of leading candidates, and also they, so that they know who to pray for, so that we can pray for the exact um, things, details within the what, what they should what they should have, the qualities that they should have, and whether they have them. And uh, this book really aims to do that. I think you keep count of these of these cardinals uh, far better than I do, looking at it from the outside. But it, it, it's true, I think, that the, that most of the college, the members of the college now, have been appointed by Pope Francis, or very near to have been to be the majority appointed by Pope Francis, mm-hmm. um, and probably more to come before long. Um, what, in your opinion, what what does that say about? Uh, who the next pope might be? Just that, just the very fact that the the majority are are have been appointed by Pope Francis. Sure. Yes, I think he's appointed something like sixty-seven of the hundred and twenty or so cardinal electors. So he's just over over just the slight majority there of the of the college of cardinal electors, and so um, that does influence certainly uh, the the outcome in some ways. But on the other hand, the, the Pope Francis has made a point of choosing cardinals from the from the peripheries, from those uh, very much from the global south, the parts of the world where usually um, they've been uh, dioceses where they haven't had cardinals, they haven't been cardinal racial seas, as they're called, and so that's that's an interesting um, added uh, point, added factor here, because a lot of those uh, countries uh, they can be quite uh, conservative, they can be quite um, uh, very sort of orthodox and traditional, um, and so that's that could also point the, the conclave in a, in a way perhaps which some might not expect. They might expect more um, to go along with a more sort of reformist um, agenda that the Pope has, but that may not be the case. So, so there's no, it's, it's not really possible to say, and there's a sort of, there are a few wild cards that could happen uh, in the conclave because of that. And so um, there's no guarantee just because the Pope has chosen them that they will follow his, follow his line, his vision. Um, but they may do, and that's 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 quite possible too. Uh, speaking of more conservative cardinals, as you said, from the global south, brings up the name that I hear uh, the man touted very often, Cardinal Sara, um, who yeah. who is who is a very very bright man. He's a conservative, but very intelligent and um, uh, very holy. Uh, I don't know. I met him once. And was very just very impressed with him personally, uh, but his you know his writings reveal a remarkable uh, a man. I, I think I, I don't know beyond his work in the Vatican. I don't know much about him and what he's written, but um, I would think you would see him in there as a, as a as a real front runner. Yes, I think he is seen as that uh, by a lot of people. Uh, some some argue that. Um, he won't be. He's not considered because because he, he has taken a line, which has forced him into conflict, if you like, with some of 
um, the people of this pontificate, some of the Pope's advisors and, and so forth. Um, uh, and so some say, well, if, you, if, they were, if they were to elect someone like Cardinal Serra, it would be a repudiation of this pontificate. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think, um, I think the College of Cardinals will look for whoever is best uh, suited for the, for the work, for the job. And I think um, many will see him as that. I think he's seen very much um, as somebody, uh, as you say, conservatives, very orthodox, um, very traditional, and, and someone with a very much a sort of prophetic voice, somebody who really speaks to the times, not with the times. And I think that's going to be probably something that the, the college will look to and someone who's, who really does sort of stand out from the rest because of that. And it makes him uh, seem more relevant, perhaps, than the others. And so I think there's every chance that he could be elected. And, and also the fact that he comes from the global south, um, where the church is going fastest from Africa. And it's another string to his bow as well. So, so there's all sorts of factors, I think, in his favor. Um, there are some questions which are in the book about um, the ability of him to, to run the dicastery um, of uh, the Congregation for Divine Worship, because because of his vision, which has been slightly at odds with Pope Francis's vision uh, of the liturgy, and that's that's sort of hamstrung him a little bit. Um, so that could be something that doesn't go in his favour. But uh, but on the whole, I think most most uh, see him as very much a, a leading candidate. Yeah. And if he were to be elected, he would be the first African in centuries, probably since the Patristic Age, to uh, to be a pope. Indeed. Oh. Yes, I think since Pope Galatius, I think of the, from the 5th century, yes, he would be the first uh, since then. Yes, I think that is true. Oh, good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm talking today with Edward Penton about his new book, The Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, and we're going to continue this conversation uh, in just a moment after this brief break. Most people involved in abortion feel they have committed the unforgivable sin. Nearly all are embarrassed and believe no one will love and accept them in light of their abortion. But the compassionate, trained people of Project Rachel are prepared to show you the path to healing. Many of the volunteers with Project Rachel have been exactly where you are now, facing their abortion and seeking a way to reconcile their life. For more information, visit hopeafterabortion.com or contact Rhonda Miller at 719-649-6198. Okay, we're back now with uh, Edward Penton, who is the Rome correspondent for the National Catholic Register and the author of a new book, The Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, published by Sophia Institute Press. And I don't want to forget uh, for you to be able to tell our listeners where they can get that book, Edward. Sure, they can get it from uh, Sophia Institute Press, which is www.sophiainstitute.com. And it's also available uh, from Amazon, of course, amazon.com as well. Okay, Sophia Institute Press and Amazon. Um, we, we were talking uh, uh, before the break uh, about Cardinal uh, Sara, whose name comes up, uh, at least in, in, in circles that I travel in very, uh, very often, and, and you've spoken eloquently about... Uh, both the possibility and maybe the difficulties involved with him being elected pope. But one, I guess, of, uh, one of the more uh, uh, conventional, I should say, maybe, uh, uh, men is Cardinal Parolin, the, the Secretary of State. I mean, we've had a few Secretaries of State uh, who were uh, elected pope. And um, mm -hmm. what, 
what, what do you want to have to say about Cardinal Parolin? Well, he's uh, a, a papal diplomat. He's been in, the, in papal diplomacy for, for all of his uh, ecclesiastical career, pretty much. And so he's he's very much seen as, a, as somebody who obviously knows the world stage. He has very many contacts globally. He speaks many different languages. Um, and he's seen as very much a very able diplomat, somebody who um, is certainly somebody who can can handle the world, the church on the world stage without any problem. And so he's seen very much also the fact that he's Italian, um, is somebody who's very much a safe pair of hands. And that uh, perhaps after the rather term, large amount of turmoil that we've had in this pontificate, that he's seen very much as sort of returning to a more sort of sober and uh, calmer pontificate, which I think a lot of the people, a lot of the members of the college would like. Um, and so that's that's sort of very much in his favor. Now, there's obviously uh, questions about him, especially regarding his handling of China, uh, relations with China and the Holy See and the, the controversies over the, the provisional agreement that was signed a couple of years ago, um, which is still um, secret and has caused um, quite a lot of controversy and concern. Um, and then there's his handling of finances too, which is certain questions about that. Um, and, uh, and the fact that he's seen as sometimes as somebody who puts diplomacy and pragmatism above uh, above what the truth uh, and sometimes uh, somewhat might say the the gospel but although he's he would certainly say that he he uh, he acts very much in accordance with the gospel and that he does put the truth first so so there's that those different aspects to to him and to his candidacy another name that's come into prominence fairly recently is uh the young or the very young looking Cardinal Tagle, the Filipino uh, Cardinal. He's, um, I heard him uh, speak here in the United States. Uh, uh, you know, very engaging man, very charming. And, um, yeah. and, and of course, his recent, uh, I guess you'd say, promotion uh, by Pope Francis, some of many have taken as an indication that, uh, you know, there's a maybe less than subtle way of saying. I'd like him to be my successor. <laughs> Anything to that? Yes. Yes. Well, that does seem to be the case. He certainly sort of tapped him, and he's he's made him um, uh, a cardinal um, cardinal bishop, bishop. And there are only a very few of those, which which mean that um, it's often is seen as very much a a favoured. He's sort of a favoured uh, member of the College of Cardinals from the Pope, and the fact that he the Pope appointed him prefect to the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples last December was was quite significant. I mean that's also called um, the Red Pope at uh, that position because of the, the amount of influence and the the prestige that comes with that position. Um, so he's certainly been seen as favoured by Pope Francis and is rumoured to be his favoured successor. Um, he certainly has the same sort of vision as, as Pope Francis. Um, he's also very popular with uh, with the youth. He's been very, uh, He's done a lot of work with the youth. Um, and is seen as very much um, somebody who who can sort of bring in uh, the younger younger members of the faithful as well as uh, as well as others. And so he's seen uh, as as quite strong in that regard. There's some question his uh, his positions on the moral teachings of the church that they argue that it's not um, that he can be too soft on on various issues on the moral teachings. Uh, certainly, we, we, this is all in the book as well, of course, and uh, and the aspect too that he's 
He's also Chinese in some ways. His, his uh, grandfather was Chinese. Uh, his mother, although she didn't bring, grow up in China, she is considered to be Chinese. Um, and so these different aspects uh, are also considered to be uh, certainly raising questions, not because of the Chinese um, per se, but because uh, the, there is talk of him being appointed to the congregation for the evangelization of peoples because of his China links. And that could be part of um, a push to get this uh, agreement all um, signed and, and completed and concluded um, by having him there and by having um, having him possibly becoming Pope one day, it would help further the the China uh, the China uh, relations with the Holy See. Mm -hmm. So, so these are all aspects. These are all factors also uh, regarding his candidacy. How old is Cardinal Tagli? Do you remember? I can't remember. I, I think he's he's um, he's in his sixties. Uh, he looks a lot younger. Oh, he, and, uh, he looks like he just made his first communion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he's an amazing, remarkable. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he always looks uh, very young, even though um, I think he was one of the youngest cardinals when he was uh, uh, appointed um, by by Benedict uh, back in 2012, I think. Or 20, yeah. I just. 2010. Yeah, I just I just wonder if if there's a certain uh, hesitancy, you know, after the very long papacy of John Paul II, I, I think there were some who said, we don't really need popes to be in that, that long, but at his age, he, he could be, yeah. a, he could be another uh, contender for, uh, for longest reigning pope. Uh, if, if he yeah, is, if he is elected, right. A, a number, I, I don't have the, I don't have the book in front of me here, but, um, uh, of the of the nineteen uh, that that you uh, name in there and and kind of rate, if you will, according to the the three works or munra of, of of a bishop, how many of them are non-Italian? Um, I think I can't remember offhand. It's something like I think probably uh, fourteen or fifteen. I think we've got a four or five Italians in there. So, yes. Right, right. No, as I remember, it was it was really the, the, the majority. Of course, I guess we're now living at a time when we don't, we simply don't automatically expect the, the Pope to be, uh, to be an Italian, right. which, which makes the whole thing, um, whole thing very interesting. This is maybe a little bit of a sidebar, Edward, but what, would you have any, how do you think, how do you think the relationship between Francis and Benedict has been. I mean, I, I know that's all been, um, you know, for the public to see uh, very, uh, very cordial. And Benedict has said that he's been very friendly and supportive of me, etc. But um, mm. how, how do you see the two of them getting along? Well, I think uh, certainly publicly they get along very well. There's no questions about that. I, I'm not sure if that's the case. It's private. But certainly one hears different different reports of how they see each other and how much they agree with each other. I think, um, I think that uh, Benedict has been probably concerned with some of the aspects of his pontificate. I think that's without question. Um, but of course, uh, that's, he's not going to say that, and that's obviously not... Uh, not known for sure, but that does seem to be the case, and certainly from what, what one's heard. Um, but on the other hand, I think I think Benedict's presence has been very much the sort of moderating element on Francis. I think he's 
he's, uh, I think Francis respects him and the fact that he's there and he's present in the Vatican, I think is, is a significant factor in, in sort of moderating some of the more reformist tendencies of Francis, which I think um, some very much welcome and, and of course others don't. But I think, um, I think there is that certain, certain moderating influence. Yeah. If you had to name some of the challenges, the, 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 what we need to see in the next pope, um, you know, considering where we are uh, as a church and, and a world, to what, how, how would you list some of those challenges or characteristics or talents or skills that you you know you've talked about the, you know the, a man's holiness, his ability to lead, and and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anything else that you see is is really essential uh, in the next pope? Well, I mean, I mean, I. I don't like to say too much because I'm just a journalist, so <laughs> it's a very lofty, very lofty thing to, to suggest. But I do, I do think, from what I hear and from what I sense, certainly in the Vatican, is that there's there's a need for um, a pope who's going to really be prophetic. As I was saying earlier about Cardinal Serrar, not saying that Cardinal Serrar is is the one that uh, that is most favoured, but certainly someone who will speak, as I say, to the times and not not go along with the sort of the fads of the world and, and perhaps the more sort of worldly ways of thinking uh, or the sort of prominent um, certain causes that are on, that are sort of prominent causes in, in the world which, which are often followed sort of by the secular world. I think, I think there'll be a desire for a Pope who's really going to, to, to point to heaven, really, point to salvation rather than, um, rather than this world and how to make this world all perfect. I think it's going to be uh, some a pope who's really, as I say, prophetic and and offers something that's that's seen actually as, as ultimately more relevant um, because it is more to do with the church rather than than say politics and so forth. Well, well, for what it's worth, Edward, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I hope that is what we see. Uh, in the next pope, and I, I would encourage those who 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 are really you know interested in 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 seeing Edward's insight into all of this to uh, to get his new book, the next pope, Sophia Institute Press, uh, and and that is and then Amazon of course, but you could get it right from Sophia Institute Press was it dot com, and uh, Sophia Institute Institute dot com yes oh just right. Sophia Institute. Yes dot com very yeah. very interesting um, a, a book I think for any especially any Catholic uh, who who is yeah. now anticipating the next papacy Edward thanks so much for uh, for your time today for for being with us and thanks for the book it, it, it's very interesting and and um, um, we'll, we'll we'll see how it turns out probably before too long. Uh, God bless you and, and keep up the, the good work and keeping us informed about what's going on in the Vatican. Sure. Thank you, Excellency. Thank you for having me on. Great to talk to you. Great. And to all of our listeners, God bless you all, and uh, we'll be visiting again soon. Thank you for listening to The Joy of the Gospel, a production of the Colorado Catholic Herald in the Diocese of Colorado Springs. We look forward to joining you again next week with your host, Bishop Michael Sheridan.